What are the names of Ben Wyatt's parents? Answer at the end of the episode. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harris, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. Dad, Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergerts, Gengerch. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Hey, 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 hey! Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. Also, if you are a big fan of uhs and ums and basicallys and like, then you have come to the right place. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you very much. This is episode number 34, being recorded Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Today I will be discussing season 4, episode 11, The Comeback Kid, which was voted as our number 3 favorite episode. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at citizensofpawneepodcast, as well as my other page at parksrecmemes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you find your podcast now. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. All right, so to start off our filler this week, I do have an email, and it is from a longtime uh, frenemy of the show, uh, Elf from Melmac. He hasn't emailed in quite a while, so if you're new to the show, Elf, uh, this, this little bastard, keeps emailing me from Melmac and uh, likes to criticize the show and point out my uh, my shortcomings so uh yeah but anyway it's good to have you back bud so here we go sorry brian i haven't emailed in a long time melmac has been hectic this summer but basically i have listened to every show and i just wanted to say i am digging the new format and the new intro music as well but last week at the end when revealing the upcoming episode no drum roll come on i wanted to tell you that i too am a fan of pitch perfect it's aka awesome yeah it is Anyways, yes, losing Norm MacDonald was super sad. I wanted to pass along one of my all-time favorite jokes. Not all-time favorites by Norm, just in general. Anytime I want a great laugh, I play the clip. I left the link below for you to check it out. Your all-time favorite hate mailer, Elf from Melmac. Thanks for the email, Elf. Um, yeah, I uh, I forgot to... You know what? Maybe I'll add that uh, clip in the show notes if I can uh, figure out how to put links in there. It's a good one, though. Uh, it's Norm McDonald's famous moth joke, which he's just so deadpan. Like I said before, he has that way of telling jokes that I, I don't know. I, I can see why some people might not think it's very funny because it's just so like, eh, 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 kind of like that. But I, I mean, I think I love the guy. So um, anyway, yeah. And then um, so back to the email, um, like you talked about the drum roll. I actually really haven't been doing the drum rolls as much at the end of the episode since I've been doing these rewatches because I had I put a list out on Instagram so it, it like I used to do the drum roll when I was doing the characters because I honestly was thinking of it at when I was doing the drum roll, it would be like, uh, shit, who the hell should I do? So, uh, 
Yeah, that that was actually uh, the drummer was more because it was anticipation. But like like I said, since I actually put a list out on Instagram saying what the show like the episode release dates were, I didn't think it was that exciting. But you know what, Elf, I'll do it at the end of this episode just for you, buddy. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you. And then yeah, the intro music. I yeah, I've been working on that for a while. It's when I put it together, when I listened back to the episode last week, I noticed that the music was a lot louder than the actual dialogue that's supposed to be in there. So bear with me. I'm going to try to adjust that. Otherwise, um, I don't know. I guess it's better than me doing sound music with my voice. Sound music with my voice. Yeah, I just said that. Okay. So again, uh, Elf, thank you for the email. Anyone else? Send emails if you want. Really, I'll read them on the air and um, gives me something to talk about for a few minutes. So moving on, uh, yeah, just some uh, some more filler. There is a new Netflix special show. I don't think it's a series. It was a show that I watched, and it was called, uh, I should have written this down. I believe it was called Attack of the Hollywood Movie Clichés, or just like Attack of the Movie Clichés, whatever. Again, it is on Netflix, and it is hosted by Chris Traeger himself, Rob Lowe. So I, you know, like if you're a fan of Rob Lowe, like I am, um, I would say definitely check this out. It's just, it's a really fun, it's only an hour long and Netflix seemingly does these kind of like documentary type things all the time. So this one actually does have like, you know, actors and, um, you know, like other famous directors and stuff commenting on different movie cliches and stuff. And it's, it's really funny. Like they talk about, for instance, they talk about how whenever there's a funeral in a movie, there's got to be like the one brooding person off to the side who for some reason isn't standing with the rest of the people. And they'll show like an over the shoulder view of that person. So you can get a sprawling look at how many people are at this funeral. And then it's actually really, really funny. And they talk, you know, Rob Lowe, he's, he's doing this thing and he's talking. And he's like, so one of the biggest cliches is the, the, the brooding uh, loner standing by himself. And then he's like, but the Fast and the Furious movies took this one step further where they had Paul Walker standing off to the side brooding, but then Vin Diesel even further back watching him watching the funeral brooding. So it's actually really funny how it was said. But yeah, I, I, I would uh, I would recommend that just to check it out. And again, Rob Lowe's in it. And um, I mean, it's it's funny because I, I feel like a lot like the, the Chris Traeger character is one of his most famous. But I mean, he was on the West Wing for the longest time, which I did not watch. But I know it was a very, very popular show. And I know he's got a lot of notoriety from that. However, I feel like since he did Parks and Rec, a lot of the Chris Traeger isms have carried over with him. And he's very like perky. But the funny thing is, like when he's not Chris Traeger, he's like Rob Lowe, who's perky, but swears a lot <laughs> and is like has kind of like a dick attitude but it's really funny. So anyway, check that out. Um, what else? Oh, I got a Parks Rec Memes tournament update. Last week, I did best Tom Haverford quote. And I feel like an idiot because I don't have that pulled up. So um, just uh, let me sit here and uh, do a bunch of uhs and stuff and I will find it. Um, uh, uh, there it is. Okay. So anyway, yeah, last week, best Tom Haverford quote. The winner was... Whenever Leslie asks me for the Latin names of any of our plants, I just give her the names of rappers. Those are some ditties. Those are some bone thugs and harmoniums. Right here? These ludicruses are coming in great. Okay, so that is the winner for best Tom Haverford quote. Not my favorite, admittedly, but um, I don't know. I feel like the, the popular quotes went out over the best quotes. But anyway, again, I'm happy everyone voted and 
So what I will be doing next week or this week, I haven't decided when I'm going to start it yet, but I will be doing now that I have completed 16 different tournaments with character quotes, I will be putting the winners of all of those up against each other. So there will be 16 quotes and it will be from the 16 winners. So everyone's going to have their own quote. So that should be a lot of fun. So head over to at Parks Rec Memes on Instagram. Check out the story section. Um, probably today, which would be Wednesday for you folks, or maybe Thursday or Friday. Who knows? But I'll get there. Okay. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention, actually two more things. One of them, first off, we got to talk about baseball, baby. The Chicago White Sox are going to the playoffs. They are playing the Houston Astros in the first round. Phil from Houston, if you're listening, buddy, good luck to your team. But um, I hope the Sox do what they did in 05 and sweep the Astros. That'd be amazing. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm super stoked about that. The games start this week. And um, yeah, as I have stated many times before, the White Sox are one of my biggest passions. And I'm very excited about this. So uh, let's go, 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 White Sox. And the last thing I wanted to say before we get into the episode is happy anniversary to my lovely wife, Joni. This is uh, today, actually, Tuesday, the 5th, is our 13-year wedding anniversary. So, yeah, what, what better way to celebrate than for me to talk about the comeback kid and for my wife to be at work? Good stuff. But now we'll be celebrating this weekend. But anyway, again, and uh, it's funny, too, because I know for sure that my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. So if you know my wife, maybe send it along. That'd be great. So anyway, all righty, let's move into season four, episode 11, The Comeback Kid. And uh, just so we're uh, sure here, the, uh, this episode is not to be confused with the amazing Canadian hardcore band, also called Comeback Kid. Check them out if you're into uh, heavy, fast music with a lot of screaming and yelling. Good stuff. This episode was directed by Tucker Gates, written by Greg Daniels, Michael Schur, and Mike Scully. So Mike Scully is a new name we're hearing as far as uh, these writers, uh, the written by episodes. We haven't heard his name yet. Mike Scully is also one of the citizens of Pawnee. He has a small role. He appears in about four episodes. And you will know his name on the show is Pearl. I don't know if you ever hear. Yeah, I think you do. I think you hear him called that like once or twice. But he is the citizen of Pawnee who's at the board meetings that has the weird. He always stands up and has like weird. I mean, I guess they always do. But for instance, in the final episode, uh, Grizzlebox, he's the one that was given the the stuffed animals, I guess, like the little uh, he gets a uh, Hamuel L. Jackson and he's like, no, this one's really uh, this is a uh, an expensive one or whatever. So, yeah, he gets the he, ha he has like a fetish for stuffed pigs or uh, little pigs, whatever. But yeah, uh, look him up, Mike Scully, if you're not sure who I'm talking about. But um, yeah, so he was one of the writers. This episode aired on January 12th, 2012 to approximately 4.09 million viewers. Okay, so uh, before I get into the breakdown, every week I just uh, I'll go through uh, with these episodes and I'll I'll check out like uh, just look for random Parks and Rec top episodes. Like I'll look for lists just to see where this one falls, just to see if uh, other you know writers of uh, you know big websites and, and magazines whatnot if they uh, if they're on the same page as us. So in 2018, Thrillist had this as their number twelve favorite episode. 
in 2021, Variety had a list of their top 30 in no particular order, and the debate made the list. So that's all I can say. I don't know exactly where they had it on there. And then in 2020, Collider had this as their number one favorite episode. So that's a pretty good one. Collider's a good, Collider's a good site. All right, so let's get into the episode. The Cold Open. Leslie enters the Parks Department with the news that she has decided who her campaign manager is going to be. No one is excited to hear this news, though, and no one wants the job after Leslie states that whoever it is should expect a heavy workload for the next few months. When she starts to announce who it is, everyone does something to avoid eye contact with her. Ron bends over to tie his shoe. Andy hides behind his monitor. Donna puts a magazine in front of her face. And Leslie picks none other than... Her best friend, Anne Perkins. Anne looks upset and terrified as everyone else mockingly claps for her. Even though Anne tells Leslie that she's not qualified to do this, she's talked into it anyway. Anne even suggests Ben. But Leslie poo-poos that idea, saying it'll kill her campaign as the two are now a couple. So this is actually kind of a quick, short foreshadow towards the end of the episode, which uh, Ben will become the manager, her campaign manager. But I'll get to that. Okay, so on to the episode. The episode begins with Leslie running into William and Elizabeth, who have recently withdrawn from Leslie's campaign amid the scandal with Ben. She's a bit upset to learn that they are now focusing on a different potential candidate for city council. They tell her good luck and move along. Next, we're at April and Andy's house, where Ben, who is their new roommate, is shocked to see a three-legged pit bull come hobbling in. He awkwardly just says, hi to the mysterious dog as April and Andy come running in after him shouting his name, Champion. Champion is a recurring guest on this show, but remains in the show all the way through to the end. So he is in the final episode, actually. Um, actually, they don't show him running around or anything, but in the very final, or the final episode before, you know, the, the Parks and Rec special, Andy and April are in the hospital and April's about to deliver and they have a picture with them that is April, Andy, and then champions in the picture too. So I think, yeah, he goes, he's in a few episodes later in uh, season five and six, but um, yeah. So, and then a little fun fact about this dog, actually, the dog is actually a female named Lucy and she appears in the shared universe. She appears in the office in the episode fundraiser, where she is one of about seven or eight dogs that Andy Bernard has adopted. Anyway, Ben starts off by asking a pretty reasonable question. Old champion. Okay, I have to ask this. I'm sorry, but how many legs did that dog have when you found him? Three. That's what makes him the best. He can do more with three legs than most dogs can do with four. Except for digging. He's really bad at digging. And we're Ben then tells the two that he's fine with champion living there, but that he's not going to take care of him, to which April show <laughs> shames him into accepting because he's jobless at the time and has no other responsibility. I still like it's funny how she points that out, but it still doesn't seem like it's Ben's job to take care of the dog. I love dogs. Don't get me wrong. And especially champions, a three legged pit bull, which actually um, one of my uh, really good for actually two of my really good friends who are married, uh, Laura and Jay shout out. They have a three legged pit bull and uh, she's a sweetheart. But anyway, um, yeah, I have mentioned before that my sister in law runs a pit bull rescue. So our family is pretty, pretty partial to pit to pits and we've had uh numerous ones and we're probably gonna be getting another one real soon um i'll keep you updated on that so anyway 
Next, we're back at City Hall, where Anne and Leslie are finalizing plans over Leslie's next campaign rally. She starts with a new theme, and it's that everyone loves a comeback story. Okay, so real quick, I have to play, uh, I'm, I'm not going to actually play the scene. I'm going to play a blooper from this scene, which is arguably the most popular in Parks and Rec history, uh, to set this one up. And and uh, Ann and Leslie are sitting at the front desk or at a table and they're giving this presentation to the rest of the parks crew. And Ann starts saying, like, everybody loves a comeback, a comeback kid story. And she gives a couple examples. And then all of a sudden and you know what, I'm just going to preface this by saying this is um, a pretty dirty joke that Chris Pratt is about to tell. Like I said, it's a blooper. So. Um, I'm going to probably have to put the explicit tag on this episode just for this. But anyway, uh, here is the the outtake reel, the famous Kim Kardashian outtake reel from Chris Pratt. Comeback story, right? Seabiscuit, the Mighty Ducks, Robert Downey Jr., uh, who Rocky. Else? Yes. Kim Kardashian. Kim, well, well. In the video, she gets, she gets come on her back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the the actual the laughing you hear in the background that is uh nick offerman and jim o'hare just going absolutely crazy because yeah if you didn't understand the context of the joke he does say he's like uh kim kardashian and you can tell it's really funny if you watch it just go on youtube and type in chris pratt kim kardashian and it'll show you that, you know, you can see the clip. But when he says Kim Kardashian, you can see April or Aubrey Plaza. She kind of reacts like almost like they talked about this off stage, maybe. And he was like, I'm going to do it. And she's like, don't do it. Because right when he says the joke, like this is when they drop back into their actor selves. They're not in character anymore. She slaps him in the arm like you idiot. Like, I can't believe you said that. Also, it was just a really like disgusting joke. And everyone else just, yeah, they start like busting out. It's 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 a really, really funny scene. So all the laughing you hear after he says that is when they have broken character and they're just losing it. So yeah, it's a, a dirty, dirty, dirty little scene, but it is absolutely hysterical. So <clears throat> April is in charge of the building rental, which is the Pawnee Sports Building. And I love that it's just called the Pawnee Sports Building. Like it reminds me of... Um, you know, like the uh, when there's like there's the big like nerd culture thing where you can be like, oh, let's go watch a sports game or let's go play sports things. You know, it's just funny there. So I love that it's just the Pawnee Sports Building, and they will show us the outside of the building later. Like, cause this is what Ann calls it. So I thought maybe it was like the Pawnee Sports Complex or something, but no, it is actually just called Pawnee Sports Building. So, and then uh, Ron is in charge of constructing the stage. And okay, so uh, sorry. Meanwhile, we head over to Ben, who was at home practicing his calzone making. Um, yeah, like real quick, I just have to put in here. This is probably one of the best Ben Wyatt episodes. And he's not even one of the focal. I mean, he's not. The main story is uh, Leslie's campaign rally. But the B story is, um, yeah, is is Chris and Ben. And Ben, I'll get into it more. But I mean, like there are a couple things in here the calzone being one of them that just like are a staple of this character. So I'll get more into that as I go. Ben is wearing his letters to Cleo shirt, which he has seen wearing in five different episodes. 
though in the special episode, which is the final, the last episode, they really had to kind of, it was almost like they went too hard. Like Leslie's like, "Uh oh, I see the letters of Cleo shirt. Like they had to point that out almost. It's like, we all see the shirt, Leslie. We don't, you don't have to tell us. And she's like, I know what that means. But the funny thing is like, it's a brand new shirt. Like the one he has in this episode, the comeback kid. I think this is the first time he wears the letters to Cleo shirt. And it's like really faded and it's old, you know, I mean, like you would assume Ben had it in the nineties when he was in like high school or college. So yeah, it's just kind of attention to detail there. It's like, oh, they should have probably like thrown that in the washing machine like 20 or 30 times and like let it fade. But they're probably like, who cares? You know, and, and it's not a big deal. It's just something I noticed. So in you suddenly Chris arrives to check up on his best friend who is after all unemployed, as I stated earlier. Chris actually insults Ben when he tells Ben that calzones are unnecessary. Uh, there's a, uh, this is just a side note, actually just watching the episode. There is a social distortion poster on the wall, and it just kind of uh, made me think, why the hell is this band so popular? I think they're very overrated. Blah, don't at me. Anyway, Ben tells Chris that he's doing great and has time to explore new hobbies, one of those hobbies being claymation videos. Back to Leslie and Anne, who are at Anne's house preparing for a meeting with Pawnee legend Pistol Pete DeCilio, who in 1992 had a game-winning dunk against Eagleton High that clinched the win for the Pawnee Central Drunken Savages. Team name later changed. I love that. I mean, like, it, it just, it's it fits in so well with Pawnee. Like, they're just this horrible history they have with, uh, you know, the, the way that they're treating the, the Pawnees or the, the, the Wamapoke tribe, I'm sorry. And then, yeah, this, they're literally called the Pawnee central drunken savages. Like someone thought that was like, even savages is pretty rough for like a high school team, but drunken savages. Ah, so good. Now we're with Andy, April, Ron, Tom, and champion who are picking up the lumber for the stage. They all pile into the cab of the truck and this happens. Is there even enough room for everyone? Here, sit on my lap. No, that's humiliating. Can I at least sit on Andy's lap? No, that's champion spot. He called it. Tom, we're already late. Be a man and sit on that girl's lap. Yes, sir. I think my favorite part about that scene is just how Tom ends with the, yes, sir. But it's, it's just funny to me because Tom is always seemingly that uh, the kid of the group. You know, like, for instance, when Jerry painted the mural of, uh, well, not the mural, no, not to be confused, when he painted the picture of Leslie when she was the, the centaur woman and Tom was the fat baby angel in the background. And then you think of, like, all the times that Ron has carried Tom like a baby where he literally is carrying him with arms under the legs and then arm on the back, like, just cradling him. So uh, it was funny. I was actually talking with someone on Instagram about that the other day. We were going back and forth, uh, just messaging uh, about how funny that uh, that is. Yeah, the the number of times Ron has carried Tom. So, uh, and then you know Tom just always talking about like his little feet and everything. So Tom is kind of like the the little munchkin of the group. Next, we're back at Ann's house where Pistol Pete has arrived. By the way, we do see Pete in one more episode where Ann has him as a potential sperm donor candidate. That's in season five. Five, I believe. Yeah, where um, she, her, and Leslie—they're—they're they're yeah, they're obviously they're—they're they're quizzing people and they're just seeing who would be a good uh, sperm donor. And Pistol Pete's one of the guys. And right when he sits down, Le Leslie and Anne are just asking him just just regular questions. It's like, how 
what what would you say you're you know like what what things do you value and then they ask like what kind of education he has and he stops after he answers the first question he's like i know what's going on here you want my sperm and he's like when are the women in pawnee gonna realize that i'm not just an animal or for, for whatever he says but it's just so funny after those two questions and them not having seen each other that we know of for like a couple of years he's just immediately like you want my sperm? And then Leslie has one of the best responses ever after Pistol Pete leaves. She's just like, wow. She's like, that son bitch is astute. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Leslie has a talking head where she talks about how her campaign team is killing it. She even attempts to break dance. Then we're back to the truck where Andy is being a little rambunctious, playing with champion and pulling the rope horn for a bunch of kids as they pass. Then they hear the police siren. So... This is like, it's a funny, like wholesome scene because Andy's having a lot of fun in the cab, but it's another one of those Andy scenes where you almost roll your eyes because it's like, man, like at some point, this guy, like his stupidity has to wear off sometimes because I mean, Ron's driving this truck and Andy's like leaning over him, you know, because he's pulling, I, I don't know what it's called, the rope horn or whatever. I mean, like, you know, the one that truckers have that just hangs down and you just tug on it and it's like uh, uh, you know that, that i don't know like rope horn whatever so he's like leaning across ron to do it and ron has to stop him and then also like he's letting champion lick his face and he's like oh he's a better kisser than you uh, uh april and then he's like here you want some it's really gross actually and then he starts licking her face i love dog kisses don't get me wrong but like dogs licking your face is just disgusting i'm sorry like dogs lick their asses all day so anyone that's like oh it's your dog it's like your little kid it's like my kids don't lick their butts and then kiss me, you know? So that's one thing like with dogs where I'm, I, if they lick my hand or something, that's one thing I can wash it. But like licking my face is like, nope, it's disgusting. Sorry if I offended anyone. Back to Leslie and Anne. They're talking with Pete and Leslie suggests that at the rally, he dunk the ball and say, voting for Leslie is a slam dunk. However, in a turn of events, he tells them that he won't do it. He explains that he doesn't want to be known anymore just for that dunk. He tells Leslie that he will gladly support her campaign, but as Peter DeCilio, not Pistol Pete. Anne suggests, what about a layup? It's actually a really funny response when she says that. When we cut back to the others, they're being pulled over. Uh, you know what? Got an Easter egg here for you real quick. If you are familiar with the episode, when, um, yeah, April, Ron, Andy, Tom, and Champion, when they are pulled over, it shows them parked. And the building that they are parked right in front of is the same building used for the exterior of Patty's Pub in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And this is not in Philadelphia. It's actually in Los Angeles. So if you are familiar with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Patty's Pub, they're usually shown inside. But when they show the exterior shots, yes, this is the exact same building. So that's kind of cool. Ron tries to schmooze the police officer by commending his line of work, but asks in a cocky tone what they are possibly being pulled over for. The officer lists the following. Four people in the front seat of the cab, no one wearing seatbelts, speeding and blasting the horn through a hospital zone, which we didn't know before. So that makes it even funnier that Andy was like tugging on the horn. He's like, oh, we're going to do it for the little kids there. I don't know if they were patients or not, but yeah. So uh, blasting the horn through a hospital zone, no commercial license to drive the truck. And finally, the rear of the truck is open and has been spilling their supplies for the stage all over the place. 
Ron gives a smart ass response and is asked to step out of the vehicle. Yeah, it's funny because right when the police officer comes up and he's like license and registration and Ron, that's when I said like Ron's trying to shoes me. He's like, officer, you know, like I, uh, everything you do is great and da 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 da. But honestly, what are we doing wrong? And then he lists all that stuff and Ron's just like, okay, so I guess we have morally different decisions or different opinions on what is lawful and whatnot. So then the, yeah, then the police officer's just like, can you step out of the vehicle, please? So April then calls Leslie and Anne to tell them that they're being arrested. Anne asks April where they are. And her answer is a nice callback to the episode, The Fight, where Leslie says, your mother's butt, when Donna asks where they're going. And this is the same answer uh, April tells Anne. Before Leslie leaves to pick the others up, she tells Anne that she has to get Pistol Pete to dunk. Mm. Now over to Ben and Chris. Ben explains to Chris what is so great about Calzones. Chris is very unimpressed, however, but keeps his smile on and keeps encouraging Ben. It's funny, like most of this scene is Ben and Chris like talking and Chris getting excited for Ben. And then it'll cut to a talking head of Chris saying the exact opposite thing. Yeah. Ben tells Chris that he plans on opening a restaurant using locale ingredients. His place will be called... This is this is a great one. This is a staple of Parks and Rec. The locale Calzone Zone. <laughs> Chris tells him he's like, that is the greatest idea I've ever heard. Then they cut to his talking head. That is the worst idea I've ever heard. So Chris does hate the idea, but he's trying to be supportive. So yeah, here I'm noticing actually, I'm jumping back a lot and forth. This one does, since there are multiple stories going on, I'm jumping back and forth a lot. So bear with me. We then see Leslie pleading with the officer to let her friends off. She knows the officer and tries connecting with him using personal info she knows. Finally, she gets him to let them go, but promises to pay all the fines. He tells them, though, that they have to leave the truck since no one can legally drive it. Back to Ann and Pete as she tries to convince him to do the dunk. Things get weird, though, when she tries to get him to open up, and he does. So, yeah, like, she is really... And and's like taking one for the team here because yeah, Leslie told her she's like, we need this guy. We need, uh, you know, because he is so popular and like having his vote would be huge. You know how it is just getting celebrity endorsements. So they're sitting down on the couch and he's talking to her and he's like, you know, I, I just, I don't want to be known for that dunk anymore. And, you know, and then he kind of like, uh, and is just like, tell me about it, Peter. And he goes, you know, that dunk made me famous and it really defined me. But um, sometimes life dunks you. And it's just so funny the, the way Anne, she she just very subtly looks to the camera right when he says that, like, oh, shit. Like, she, she knows she's going to have to sit through this. But, it, yeah, when you see the scene, like, just go back and watch it again. It is one of my, and I know I say this a lot, like, all the time, like, oh, it's one of my favorites. This really is the, like, Anne's just, the physical part of it, how she's looking at him. And then when he says, sometimes life dunks you, she doesn't even turn her head, just her eyes turn to the camera. It is done so well. I love it so much. It's, it's just, yeah, it was really awesome on her part. How she done that. So next we're back with Chris and Ben, where Ben is working more on his claymation video. Chris finally tells Ben that he's really worried about him and that he thinks Ben is severely depressed. Ben assures us he's not though by bragging about his clay self that he shows us. He like, he's like, he's like, could a crazy person make this? And he's like, actually, no, he hasn't gotten to that part yet, but 
he has a, a claymation version of himself and it's actually really cool looking. He did a really good job with it. It's probably about a, uh, like a foot tall, maybe not that tall, maybe like eight or nine inches, but it, it looks awesome. It looks just like Ben and it looks like, you know, it's professionally done, obviously, but yeah, it looks awesome. Back to Leslie and Ron and company. They have loaded as much of the lumber and supplies as they could that would fit into Leslie's small car, which is a very small portion. So yeah, this is like a really small cutaway scene, but it's just kind of showing you that since they can't drive the truck back because they don't have the commercial license and the fact that when the officer said before, he's like the rear of the vehicle's open and is spilling supplies everywhere, they do show that there's like lumber and stuff hanging off the back that almost fell off. So it looks like when they were loading up the truck to now, they probably have about like a quarter of the supplies that they had before. So that's they so they take whatever supplies they can and they put them into the trunk of Leslie's really small sedan. It's like a, a like I don't know what it is, but it's like the size of like a Ford Escort. So it's really little. So this is kind of funny too actually because then again you're going to have well it would be legal but Andy, Tom and probably April, I assume Ron would sit in the front. They're going to have to sit in the back with Champion so there will probably be more uh, rambunctiousness out of Andy, but we don't see any of that so who cares? When we go over to Ben and Chris, the two still talk about Ben's supposed depression. Ben then shows Chris his claymation video, and it's amazing. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's been like what happened there. Obviously you couldn't tell what was happening. All you heard was the, the REM song stand. Ben has a little laptop set up for Chris and he's like, all right, check this out. So he hits the button and in typical Ben fashion, the movie is called Requiem for a Tuesday, which is obviously a take on Requiem for a dream. The very popular, again, very overrated and kind of stupid. If you ask me a movie Requiem for a dream which is actually, uh, Ben brings this up again when Leslie's being recalled, I believe it is. And uh, maybe, I can't remember, but Leslie's having a bad day and Ben calls and he, he wants like a singing gram for her. And he's like, do you guys know anything from the Requiem for a Dream soundtrack? And then he's immediately like, I regret this. Uh, I regret making this call. I'm hanging up. It's just really funny. But yeah, it's like such an artsy movie. It's It makes total sense that Ben's a huge fan of it. So anyway, I'm going to play uh, the follow or what precedes them watching that video. And this has been just kind of having like a colossal breakdown about his movie. That's the whole thing. That's three weeks of work. You're going to be okay. No, 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 I'm not. You see, in my head, I thought that was really, really cool. In fact, I, I, I emailed Leslie two days ago and I compared it to Avatar, Chris. And how can it not be longer? Okay. I love too that uh, there's a, there's another one of the Avatar references. I talked about that in uh, what was it uh, April and Andy's wedding when Ben is the one actually that has to they they tell him to bring a a fifty inch t or no no not if they don't say what size but they just say bring a three D compatible TV and fifty pairs of of three D glasses. So uh, that's the Avatar scene, and then also there was the one with Andy Samberg when he was Carl the park uh, ranger, and he kept. So anyone see the Avatar? I want to see Avatar. Um, 
if you'll recall, from season two. Now at the Pawnee Sports Building, April tells Leslie that the floor was converted from basketball to ice skating. So real quick, if you're unfamiliar with this, I, I said this in an episode two, probably not too long ago, but most ice rinks, well, unless it is just a straight up ice rink, like I have one by my house, it's just like da-da-da-da, ice rink. But like at uh, professional stadiums, usually the ice rink is shared with whatever basketball team it is. Like for instance, uh, in, in Chicago, the, the Bulls the Bulls and the Blackhawks share the United Center and the ice is underneath, obviously. So they put down these huge slabs that are the, the court and then they just take them up. I don't know how they do it. I would love to see that actually. I don't know how, I mean, they gotta be pretty thick, but you gotta think, and this isn't every single basketball team. I mean, just ones that share you would have to think that the court's got to be a little bit cold, you know, like when you hit the, I mean, I assume it's probably like, like a foot at least like thick, like the, the, the platform they're dropping down. But anyway, so yeah, the, um, when April made this reservation and then she tells Leslie, she's like, I don't know, either the guy told me that they weren't going to do it, but he was stupid and I didn't care and I wasn't listening. So it's clearly like, April's fault. And I really hate her careless answer about how she basically doesn't care. Like, she's just kind of like, yeah, sorry, whatever. Like, you know, and Leslie actually lets her off the hook like she always does. But meanwhile, Ron is working on constructing the stage, which based on how much lumber was left is about a four foot by four foot platform. That's probably about four feet off the ground, actually. So it's almost like a cube. <laughs> also, Leslie's banner is mostly gone, too, as that also fell off the truck. Now, her banner was like in sections, so most of them fall off. All that's left was a small piece that just shows Leslie's eyes and the letters L-E. <laughs> and shows up and tells Leslie that she got Pete to come, but she's not sure if he's going to do the dunk. Then Jerry arrives and we find out that his job was to get an audience and he got close to 100 people, which upsets Leslie because everything thus far has been a disaster. Another funny, um, I like this response by Jerry actually, because when he comes walking in, and Leslie's just like, hey, Jerry, how's it going? Please tell me you didn't do your job and you pulled a Jerry. And he actually stands up for himself here. I love it. And he just tells her, he's like, I told you guys, I don't like it when you say that. And Leslie and Anne, they don't respond. Like they actually take him seriously, I think. Like they don't like do like a whatever or like, oh, shut up, Jerry. So it's kind of cool. I, I love it whenever Jerry stands up for himself, which is very far and few between. Few and far? Few and far between are far and few. Yeah. That's another thing I got to stop saying all the time. Though. Who cares? Because some people do. Where are we? Um, okay, yeah. So so Jerry uh, brought the people in. Leslie's still upset because everything's been a disaster so far. And the more people that are there, the more people are going to just see how terrible everything's going for her right now. So she tells the group that they should probably leave to avoid the potential embarrassing nightmare that's coming. But Anne convinces everyone to stay and support her. Ron agrees. Next is what some people consider the funniest scene in the entire series of Parks and Recreation. Now, again, this is like I said, some people consider this. It's not my favorite scene. I don't think it's the funniest scene, but I can understand why a lot of people do. As Leslie and the team walk out onto the ice, there's a sweet red carpet taking them to the stage at center ice. Also, get on your feet by Gloria Estefan plays. So this is Leslie's uh, theme song besides the uh, Catch Your Dreams, which Mouse Rat did with the help of, uh, you know, uh, Duke Silver and then a couple backing vocals by everyone else. 
But this song, Get On Your Feet, you hear this more as the um, as this season goes on. I don't think you hear it actually after this season, but you do hear it in two or three different episodes. And like the one where she's given her campaign rally in the park and they're shooting off the cannons, the blue shirts, which is uh, that's a that's a hilarious scene in itself when Ben is. He's like, okay, when he has Leslie's speech timed out perfectly, and he's like, now he's like, she, they're gonna laugh, and then you just like, and this is him like thirty feet away, and then like, like laughter goes up, you know, like you just hear like, ah, like the crowd, and he's like, okay, now she's gonna tell a really awkward Rodney Dangerfield joke, and no one's gonna laugh, and it shows Leslie, and she's like, oh, well, I can't get any respect, and it just shows the crowd, and it, of course they're just staring at her like, what? Which is funny because it's like I don't know if they did the joke bad or if they just don't know who Rodney Dangerfield is, but. So anyway, the excitement quickly dies, though, as the red carpet ends about halfway through. And then Tom tells Leslie, he's like, yeah, sorry. He's like, I could only afford uh, this much. And I didn't say it before, but there is a scene where Tom talks about how he he wanted to order red carpet for this because as he explains, you know, like, right. And, you know, Tom is just, that's how he is. He's He's very superficial. And so to him, like a red carpet, makes it seem so much more important, even though it's like, you know, cares. I mean, but um, anyway, a red carpet is a nice touch though. But of course he ran out of money. Like I, it should have, he should have just like not done it at all because it looks kind of stupid. But anyway, so for the next minute and a quarter, literally, like if you time it, like I, I, I was actually watching at the bottom of the screen, we watched the parks crew try to walk across the ice and an insanely hilarious, if not over the top though, scene with some great physical comedy. All the while, champion pees on Ron. Andy keeps falling and get on your feet. Keeps starting back up. And it's so good too, because it's like, whenever like they'll play it, get up. And they keep stopping it. Like almost like the DJ is like, oh, okay, 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 here we go. Here we go. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, are we good? No, 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 no. So it's like, they play the song probably three or four different times. Not the whole song, obviously, but He'll play it for like 10, 15 seconds and then they stop. And then it's like, okay, now then they start it up again. And they, it's so funny. They just keep stopping it to finally where, um, yeah, Leslie, she gets up. She has to climb onto the stage. Basically. Like I said, I mean, the, the stage is maybe three to four feet. So, but since they're all, and I've, I've walked on an ice rink before in shoes and I've walked on ice before. Like I said, this is really, really funny, but it is very over the top. I mean, like, I don't even, I, well, Leslie might be wearing heels and two actually, but I know the others just have shoes. Walking on ice is not this hard. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest and I'm used to ice always being on the ground for like two to three months out of the year. But it's, again, it is really funny, but a bit over the top. So back to Ben and Chris real quick. Ben finally admits that he is, in fact, depressed. So they just kind of go over to show you this, and then they come back, and we'll go back to that in a bit. But at the rally, Leslie is having a horrible time trying to get through her speech, as even her note cards are out of order. Finally, she just concedes the speech, not the election, and laughs about how horrible everything is going, which really warms over the crowd. She's just like, wow. She's like, this This is terrible. This is, uh, this is embarrassing. This is the worst this is the worst speech ever. And, you know, you see like Andy and April and Jerry, everyone behind her, they're, they're laughing about it too. They're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, we tried. <laughs> and, uh, and you hear the crowd, you know, they kind of laugh too. So it's, it's a good sign. It's a good start there for Leslie knowing that like, even as critical and judgmental as the citizens of Pawnee are, 
they're like, they're like, all right, you know what? We still got your back here. It's, it's no big deal. So just then though, Pistol Pete runs out onto the ice as two men bring out a portable basketball hoop. Pete drops his coat. He's got his uh, Pawnee Drunken Savages jersey on, and he says to the crowd that he fully endorses Leslie and that voting for Leslie is a slam dunk. That's how he says it. He then grabs the basketball, goes to dunk, and hilariously slips and breaks his arm. And I mean, this is a good one, like where his legs kick out from under him and like the lowest part of his body is probably about three and a half feet off the ground. And I mean, he slams. Whoever took this fall, you know, the stunt the stunt double, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, it was a good one. That's I, no, more, more great physical comedy from this show. Okay, so... The group then heads back to April and Andy's house, where Leslie asks Ben to be her campaign manager. And despite Chris's warnings that Ben's not in the right state of mind, Ben accepts anyway, pleasing everyone, especially Anne, who was, who was in over her head in the first place. Okay, so that is the end of the episode before the clo- cold close. Yeah, at the end there, it's and it's not like Leslie even like she's like and you suck at this da 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 because like and I think did a pretty good job actually just getting Pete DeCilio there that was a big thing uh, for him to actually volunteer to do it even though he he broke his arm so the cold clothes which has to do with that shows Anne and Leslie visiting Pistol Pete at the hospital they bring him balloons and cookies and ask if there's anything else that they can do and he awkwardly says. Uh, well, how about I take you out to dinner to Anne? And she awkwardly says she's married <laughs> to which Leslie immediately says, no, you're not. And then she looks over at Pete. She's like, don't worry, she's not married. So it confuses Pete and the episode just kind of fades away as Anne, sa- as Anne, as Anne says, this is uncomfortable. So that is your episode. That is the Comeback Kid season four, episode 11. Okay. What'd you guys think? What'd you think of that episode? I love it. Let's move on to some highlights of the episode. Um, maybe some some things I uh, noticed or uh, just wanted to talk about. First, this is the intro of the three-legged Pitbull champion. So it's significant in that sense. And like I said, I mean, champion is mostly, I mean, like, actually, champion does go on to reenact, not reenact, but is in one of the funniest single scenes of the entire series, literally. And I, I'm like using my hands to emphasize. So I felt like Chris for a second. So like literally, but in season six, the episode prom, when Andy picks up April in the limo and then she's like, Oh, let's, we got to go inside. My parents want to take pictures. They go inside and Oren is dressed as April's mom, which is already amazingly funny. Like I said, this is no joke. One of the, in my opinion, one of the most laugh out loud scenes and one of the funniest scenes. Oren dressed as April's mom, talking in his voice though, but acting like her mom. So she, he's like, "Have her home by 11. you know, to Andy, and he's like, "Wow, you look great. Don't forget to say bye to your father." And then Champion comes like hobbling in, but he has a, a tuxedo on and he's wearing uh, a toupee. That looks nothing like April's dad, which is hilarious because we we see April's dad in I think the last time we see April's dad is April and Andy's wedding because we saw her uh, we saw them previously or we saw him previously in the episode ninety four meetings was it which was uh, at the end of season two I believe and uh, 
So yeah, when we see the champion wearing this wig, and he actually looks more like Councilman Dexart, if you ask me, <laughs> or, or the episode uh, when Leslie gets a Christmas scandal, when Leslie gets brought into that weird thing with uh, Councilman Dexart, the wig that she's wearing, I almost feel like they just had that in the props department and they're just like, oh yeah, let's use that wig again. Because again, April's dad doesn't have dark hair. He's got like light brown hair. The one time they showed him at least. So again, um, yeah, I, I love that Champion was brought into this show. And I love that this dog is actually a female named uh, Lucy. I don't know why they didn't just keep her that. I don't know, maybe if just to use the name Champion. I don't know. But anyway, um, and then I love that this dog was also in the, the office. That was cool. Uh, another thing, this is one of Ben's best episodes, like I said before. The Calzones is hilarious because that is another running joke throughout the show. Before Leslie and Ben's wedding, they are testing the food and they do. Uh, Chris, Ben and Ron all get food poisoning from the Calzones that they ate. And the way that they figure this out is because they know that it's the only thing that Tom didn't eat. And or maybe not the only thing to I forgot how it has something to do with what how Tom wasn't eating the food, though. That's how they know that it was the Calzones because Ben's like the Calzones. They betrayed me. And um. And then also his claymation, which it doesn't go any further than this, but this is this kind of shows us a lot of his like his creativity. You know, when he does the cones of Dunshire, for instance, which Leslie rolls her eyes, but I mean, like when you watch it, like as a fan, it's just like holy shit, that's really impressive, actually. Like that he put this together just because Ben's Ben's jobless numerous times, and it's not like Ben's a loser or anything. Ben always finds a way to bounce back though. And, and I think he knows that he's very resilient. He's always going to have the accounting firm in his back pocket. And then just his wife, you know, like Leslie being so connected with the government and then Chris being his best friend, it's going to be easy for him to, he, he'll always have a job. So even when he is jobless and he's going through these weird, um, you know, getting through it to his creative side, it's always funny because yeah, you know that it's like, all right, he's going to bounce back. He'll be fine. Um, Again, another highlight, one of the funniest scenes, like I said, at least is uh, kind of far as the fancy, maybe not one of my favorite scenes, but yeah, the, the get on your feet, get on your feet. Like, I love that they keep using that song, but again, I just, I think the kind of walking out to the ice scene is a little long and it's a little too just like, eh. but it is funny though. Like the way that uh, Chris Pratt plays that off as Andy, when he's, he does a full on, he's almost like. Um, like spread eagle, but he's on the ice and he's, his legs are kicking and he just like belly flops down. And it, it is, it, it's really funny. And then, but yeah, like when they're trying to help Leslie up onto the stage, it is, it's, there's like four of them trying to push her up and they keep sliding out. So it's funny, but it's just like, oh my God, like in no universe would anyone with a little bit of competence be doing this. And like Leslie is clearly competent, Ron is, and everyone. But yeah, it's like, come on, guys. So anyway, that that would I guess that would kind of be like a high end low for me. And then um, this is more of just an observation, actually. Where is Donna in this episode? She um, she's in the very beginning when they do the the um, the intro or, or the oh, what am I talking about? When Aunt Leslie comes in, like I said, and she's. Uh, doing uh, asking who wants to be her new campaign manager. They, like I said, they do show Donna hide behind a magazine. And then in that scene, well, where I played the deleted scene, but when Leslie and Anne are talking about what they, you know, the the whole story behind the comeback kid, 
she's there. But yeah, other than that, um, she doesn't, I don't, I don't even think she has any speaking lines in this episode and she's only in the very, very beginning. And then right after the, the credits, she's in it again. And actually speaking of the cold open, I didn't say it then. This is another one of the rare instances where the cold open does have to do with the actual plot of the episode. Cause as I've said before, usually the cold open is just like a funny, you know, like they do it on the office all the time too. The cold opens very rarely have anything to do with the episode. It's just like, that's usually when they take the time, like on the office for Jim to do pranks, things like that. Or just, yeah, it's mostly, I mean, that's an ideal time for Jim pranks. There's so many that, that start off like that, but yeah, and parks and rec as well, like the coffee pot episode and stuff. And then Ron pulling out his tooth. They're amazing. They don't have anything to do with the episode though, but um, yeah. So where's Donna. Okay. All right, so that is uh, that's those are the things I liked about this episode. So now I'm going to move on to the IMDb trivia, which if <clears throat> you are unfamiliar, I just go to uh, imdb.com, which is the Internet Movie Database. I know a lot of people use Rotten Tomatoes. I've always just been an IMDb guy, so that's why I don't use Rotten Tomatoes. I just picked this one first, and I stuck with it, and I really like it a lot. Plus, I don't really understand Rotten Tomatoes, I, how they're just like, this is certified fresh, and then it's like, it got a 93% on the tomato meter, but it scored like seven out of 10. It's like, how does seven out of 10, which is 70% equate to 93%? I don't know. It's so, it's weird. I'm sure if I looked it over and I'm sure someone could explain it, I'm sure there is meaning behind this, but it's just, it's weird to me. So anyway, IMDB, you go to the trivia section and these are just a couple things that were written on here. Not by me, obviously, but I'm just going to read them off. And these are things that maybe I missed. I did not read these and I never do until I get to them. So if I read something that I already pointed out, I apologize. But uh, like I said, I'm just going to go ahead and read these. So here we go. Ron, Tom, Andy, and April are arrested in front of the same building used for the exterior of Patty's Pub. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So I did mention that. And uh, I didn't say it before, just so you're aware. I did not discover that. I didn't notice that. Like when I was doing research for the episode, I found that. So just giving credit where it's due. I didn't come up with, I, I didn't realize that even though like I did watch always sunny. So I, when I saw it, it was like, Oh yeah, cool. Okay. But okay. When Chris visits Ben, because he's worried Ben is depressed. Ben is wearing a t-shirt for the band letters to Cleo. Mark rivers, the show's music supervisor and drummer in the band mouse rat was a real life member of letters to Cleo. That I did not know. That's actually really cool. I thought they were just going to talk about, like when I saw Letters to Cleo, I thought they were just going to talk about the amount of times Ben wears that shirt. But that's really cool, actually. Mark Rivers. Um, yeah, he's on, on the show. They, his name is Rivers. But you, he doesn't. He has maybe one speaking line, and it's the one where he quits the band. He's like, I can't take this anymore. I quit. I think that's the only line Rivers has. I didn't know he was the music supervisor for the show. That makes sense, though. But he is also actually credited as mouse rat so like that album that just came out the, the mouse rat cd he I, I believe they got they probably took the vocals from the show actually i have no idea how they did that i'm pretty sure chris pratt didn't come in and re-record all the songs maybe he did but anyway um he uh, mark rivers he does the theme song for the new uh which i didn't mention before i'll just i'll say it real quick here not plugging it but the new uh, podcast, Parks and Recollection, Park Parks and Recollection, which has Rob Lowe and Alan Yang, who Alan Yang is Chang, the bass player in Mouse Rat. He is also uh, one of the writers on the show. 
and he also writes on Master of None, which is the the other show that Aziz Ansari, well, the hit show. I watched the first season; wasn't a huge fan, but maybe I just gotta I gotta watch it again. It was just a little too like slow for me, but I, I found some. There were some things I liked, but anyway, uh, yeah. So that new podcast, Parks and Recollection, it's essentially a Parks and Rec rewatch. So they're just they just it's only three episodes in. I'm digging it a lot. I like the two of them, and it's funny though because. At this point, you know, they're just, they're only on episode four. Yeah, I think that the, well, the, it comes out today, Tuesday, so it'll be available when you hear this. But anyway, um, Rob Lowe wasn't in season one, as you know, and he's barely in season two. He's only at the end. So for a lot of these episodes, it's mostly Alan Yang doing the talking. And it's really interesting getting like the behind the scenes stuff look. And you do get this. I compared it to Office Ladies, which I talked about like a while back. Not a huge fan of that show. I'll listen to it if I'm really, really bored and I just need like time killer. But I just like, I love Angela and Pam on the show, but I think Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey though, they're just like too much for me. Like just the way they do the show is just so like, everything is so like peppy and da 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 And uh, our tornado warning things are going off right now. Don't worry, we're not having a tornado here in Illinois. It's just the, they, the practice ones every Tuesday morning. So you probably can't hear them, but if you can, that's what's going on. But anyway, uh, how did I get so far into this? Oh, yeah, it was about um, Mark Rivers. He does the the um, the theme song for that show. And it's like it, it says at the end, it's like, yeah, and Mark Rivers as Mouse Rat or whatever. So I just I'm sorry for that rant. That was dumb. I was just talking and talking and talking. OK, I got two more trivia things for you. The creators of the show have said that they wanted Leslie's journey from the ice to the stage with everyone's help was meant to emulate the iconic flags of our father's image and thus captured the scene from specific angles to make this more apparent. Okay, so I don't know. I never thought of this, but yeah, they're talking about the one with all the guys hoisting up the flag. And yeah, I can kind of see that, I guess. I, I don't think like not, since since it's been pointed out to me, it's like, OK, I can see it. But I never would have thought that, like never have thought that before reading this. But yeah, um, apparently them pushing Leslie up onto the stage is almost like, yeah, it's the famous picture of all the soldiers pushing the American flag up. So. OK, and then the, the last one, Ron says that every single contractor in the world is a miserable, incompetent thief. In the final season, we learn that Ron leaves Pawnee city government to become founder, owner, contractor of the very good building and development company. It's likely he did so to bring honor to a profession he doesn't respect, which would be fitting for a man who long worked in government despite hating the government. It's a good point. I didn't think of that. I didn't mention that either because that was just a little talking head with Ron when he said he was going to construct the stage. So... That is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Remember, if you'd like to contact the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can reach me. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you get your podcast now. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Next week, I will be discussing... Season three, episode two, flu season. So I haven't actually been saying this, but I guess it was kind of like implied maybe. If you are following these rewatches, you know, I mean, 
watch the episode flu season. You got a week to do it at 22 minutes of your life. It's an amazing episode. So yeah, maybe watch it. And then when you listen to the podcast next week, you'll be like, okay, yeah, I know that part. I know that part. And you can, you know, maybe email me with some of your thoughts on the episode. It'd be really cool. So it's up to you guys though. Again, thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you at JJ's Diner. Ben's parents are named Julia and Steve.